This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich men Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Let's Be Real podcast. I am your host as always, Sammy J, and welcome. We are so glad to have you here. This week, I got to chat with the incredible entrepreneur, Daniela Pearson. You may know her from being the founder and CEO of The New Zet, or the co-founder and co-CEO of the new mental health startup with Selena Gomez and Mandy Tifi called Wondermind. And she is just breaking barriers and is so inspiring. So I am so excited for this conversation, and I hope you guys like it. Hi, Daniela, and thank you so much for coming to the Let's Be Real podcast. I'm so excited. We have so much to talk about, and I really appreciate you just taking the time because I know you're incredibly busy. Well, I'm sure you are even more busy, so thank you so much for having me on this incredible podcast, and just uh, it's truly an honor. So yes, thank you again. First and foremost, you are just a very smart businesswoman and entrepreneur, and I have the entrepreneurial bug as well. And so I have to ask, when was the first time you're like, oh, I want to create something? Well, you definitely are a badass entrepreneur yourself. It's funny how um, people think 
you know, or at least thought before all of these new entrepreneurs came into the scene. But people would think an entrepreneur was somebody who literally had like a store or like, you know, a product. Um, but even, you know, my twin sister is a writer and she has books. Like she's an entrepreneur. You have this incredible podcast. You're an entrepreneur. It's like, it looks in so many different ways. And so I always kind of had the bug. Um, my parents are both hustlers. My mother is an immigrant from Colombia. She grew up like poverty level poor. And so she essentially the dream, and, and I think it still is like the dream job in Colombia is to become an oral surgeon. And so my mother, in order to do that, had to win the only scholarship every single year at the Columbia, um, you know, uh, university, and then also in elementary school, middle school, high school, like, you know, all the way up until graduating med school, there was only one scholarship and it was for the best student in the class. So my mom had to hustle her ass off and be that best student. And so I come from that kind of drive. Then my father also grew up uh, pretty, you know, poverty level poor as well in Niagara Falls. And his father worked at a factory and had, you know, many kids and a wife to support. And so my dad uh, just literally started from like uh, fixing cars to washing cars to selling cars. And then, you know, ha finally having um, his own dealership. And so both of my parents are incredibly entrepreneurial. The drive is in your DNA. It, it really is. Um, and so that I always knew that I wanted to do something and probably have a business. I hated school. It just was not for me. My sister, my twin sister was completely the opposite. She definitely got more of my mom's genes where she was, you know, the best student. She went to an Ivy League school. I was much more like my dad where, you know, I hated school and I just didn't realize why I had to learn about, you know, mitochondria and an atom 15 different times over my, you know, high school and middle school career when I knew I was not going to be a scientist. And I didn't really apply myself as much until the final years of high school, where I realized if I don't get my shit together, I'm going to be stuck in this town forever. And I want to go do big things. And so that's when I really focused my energy, became a really good student and was able to go to BU. And so when I went to BU, I knew again that I wasn't happy with, you know, the things I was learning. I wasn't learning about business. It was going to be two years of like normal classes. And then I was going to learn about business. Yeah. And finally, in my sophomore year of college, I was like, okay, if I want to do something for myself, I want, I, I was just begging for that kind of passion and something I could put everything towards because I didn't have it. And, uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to write down the things I'm good at. I made that list. It was completely blank. I was good at absolutely nothing. I highly doubt that. I truly like, I'm not being, uh, you know, funny or anything. I was not good at anything. I didn't even know who I was. I truly, was like a chameleon in the worst way. I would be whoever I thought people wanted me to be. I didn't know who I was, like really didn't have any skills. And then I thought, okay, well, what do I love to do? Like, what are my passions? And the one thing that I always loved was reading magazines. Like I would just be just, you know, encompassed in a magazine when I opened it. And so I thought, well, what if I could make my own magazine and maybe that would help me get an internship or a job at a magazine, or maybe, you know, this works out for me and I can do this after college and work for myself. Cause I knew no one would hire me with my bad grades. Um, so I thought maybe I can hire myself. 
Daniela, can I tell you that we have so much in common? I grew up in school with learning differences and thought I was incapable of learning for so long and OCD and anxiety as well. Oh, okay. So we are the same person because we are the same person as you're talking about this. Yeah. I have ADHD, OCD, um, and anxiety and depression, et cetera. So yes, uh, with ADHD and OCD, I got you. I know exactly what you're talking about. School is hard. Yeah. Yeah. School was so freaking hard. Yes. How did you not let your lack of confidence in the classroom affect what you want to do outside of the classroom? Yes, it was really funny. I actually did not get diagnosed with ADHD until about six months ago. (laughs) Did everything just make sense afterwards? Oh, it it completely made sense. And um, I realized when talking to my, you know, psychiatrist that the kind of ADHD I had, and I think it's different for a lot of people, so I don't want to blanket statement this, is like, I care about what I care about and I can do that and be very specific. And especially with the OCD combined, I can then obsess over that. But if I don't care about something, it is almost impossible to focus on it. It's not going to get done. Yeah. It's, it's almost just like, it just, you can't do it. It feels genuinely incapable. No, it's true. There are assets to it and there are negative sides to it. I'm in college right now, so I'm also realizing the negative sides to it when my brain can't process textbook readings. So when I have to do them, it takes me forever. But like when there's like something with the podcast or something that I love, it it just like, I I love it. Yes. Yeah. No. So well, I was very similar and I didn't know that when I was there. I don't even think uh, I, I grew up in Flor- Jacksonville, Florida. I don't even, and I went to a private school. I didn't even think like, you know, people would even know what ADHD was back then. Learning differences aren't talked about. And yeah. something that's so unfortunate is so October was Learning Disability Awareness Month. And I think it's really important that we talk about these issues because so many times, and I've talked to people about this, like you kind of get used to the feeling of not being able to learn. And I hope that people listening know like that you are capable of learning. You just have to find that passion. And I think it's so cool like what you did with the newsette, the newsletter you created and how you built upon that was the newsette, the outlet for all your creativity. Yeah. Um, so to answer your first question and go into that in school, you know, identical twin sister is a rock star at school, top of the class, um, you know, so smart. And I was her biggest cheerleader and that's all she cared about. She went to school and she just did grades, like didn't care about anything else. That was her thing. She wanted to go to Ivy league school. And so my sister was incredibly impressive. Um, for me, because I didn't like school and I basically just had to like get through it. Um, I was a B and C student. And so my parents would uh, judge us equally by like, if my sister got straight A's, great. If I got B's and C's, fantastic. So it, we weren't on the same playing field and I, I appreciate that they you know, knew different. that I was different. Yeah. However, I realized my junior year, my sister was getting all of these incredible uh, pamphlets and, you know, info and reach out from these huge schools in these big cities. And I wanted to go to a big city and I was getting nothing, you know, surprise, surprise. They don't send it to like the BNC students. They send it to, you know, the people who are really impressive. And so I realized, wow, if I don't get 
on this train. And even though I don't care about, you know, how big a triangle is and, you know, how many, uh, you know, different uh, elements there are in an atom and all these things I knew I was never going to use. I was like, I need to start caring because that is the catalyst to me getting out of this city and moving to a big city and making my dreams come true. So it find a way out. Yes. And so essentially I, I thought I was dumb. Like my people would call me the dumb twin. And like, I really thought I was just like incapable, but then I, there was this one class, a history class that I really, really liked because it was almost like learning about a story or like reading a story. And I got an A plus on one of the tests and everyone else failed it. And I was like, wait, I can do this. So I decided to, and I don't know if this has to do with ADHD or OCD, but I I can do things in sprints. And so I said, okay, the second I get to school at eight o'clock AM until I leave at 3.30 or 3.45, the only thing I'm going to do is be an incredible student. So during class, I I will follow along with a textbook, take every note, ask every question. During my lunch break, I didn't really have a lot of friends. And so, and my sister and I had different lunch breaks. So I would go to the library first while everyone would eat in the cafeteria, like study and do all my stuff. Then go to the cafeteria at the very end and eat when no one else was there. So I didn't have to sit alone. And, you know, basically took every inch of my day at school and made it into, you know, me learning. And then when I got home, I would just watch TV. Like, I don't think I did one uh, essay, one, you know, study session, one homework ever at home because I was like, okay, if I do all of this in this time and like, you know, just get it all banged out, then I can have my free time and junior year and senior year, it ended up working so well like that that I ended up getting all A's and A pluses. And my parents were like, what is going on here? Uh, But it truly was because like, I refuse to let these things that don't interest me uh, be the reason why I can't go to a big city and do what I want to do. Like, I just need to get on the path and like, you know, not rebel anymore. And so that's what I did. Um, And then I I ended up going to BU. And uh, that's, again, really when, I started thinking about what I wanted to do and, uh, and thinking, you know, I have four years. I was so lucky. Uh, the ultimate gift my parents gave me was they paid for my college education. So I didn't have to have a job while I was in college. And so I immediately thought, okay, I have four years for the, basically the only time in my life where all I'm responsible for is going to class and like partying or making friends or whatever. I'm going to take these four years and actually try to get a job or create my own job so that when I graduate, I'm like set up because when in your life, are you ever going to have four years where you don't have, you know, a family or responsibilities or anything. And so I almost thought, you know, for, to not take advantage of that and try to build a career and build a life for myself was, uh, would just be a, a massive, you know, disappointment and disadvantage for me. Daniela, your story is so amazing and so inspiring. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to hear about your college experience and what you think the keys were for the Newsette to become so successful. Your new company with Selena Gomez and Mandy Tiffy, Wondermind, and much more. We'll be right back. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, 
a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we talk more about college and post-college, I'm curious, back in high school, because of everything you were dealing with, Was socializing hard, did you find? And did your anxiety and OCD affect that? Yes. I I realized I had OCD. Um, Like, I I realized something was wrong with me when I was about six years old. And uh, my sister and I had, like, these canopy beds. And one side of my canopy broke because I was probably, like, hanging off of it like a fucking monkey. And (laughs) as you should. Yes. And my uncle came in and taped it with black tape. And so I sat there going to sleep. And as you know, one of the, you know, things of OCD, it's different for everybody is like asymmetry. And so there was black tape on one side and not on the other. And I stayed up that entire night just looking back and forth. And I ended up having like an anxiety attack over it. My parents had no idea what was going on. Then after that, I developed rituals where like, you know, I had to close the door a certain way and, you know, all of these different things that kind of take over your life. And because my mother is Latina and, um, you know, I don't want to speak for the whole culture, but at least, you know, in, in her belief system, you know, people didn't really go see psychiatrists or anything. My dad is this very manly man from, you know, Niagara Falls, New York, going to see a psychiatrist or a therapist was definitely not a thing that he was going to be okay with. And so they kind of just ignored it and like looked at it as almost like a quirk or me trying to get attention. And then my uh, freshman year of high school, we took a health class and we started learning about mental health uh, illnesses. And when we got to OCD and we started talking about it, I was like, oh my God, I have OCD. And it was just such a like aha moment because I had no idea what it was. I didn't know it was a mental illness. And so, you know, I asked my parents, can I please go get help for this? And the answer was no. And so, uh, yeah. That's so hard, especially after advocating. Yeah, my mom feels very bad about it now, but she drew, I can't blame her. It's just a stigma. Like that was 10 years ago or longer And so, you know, it just wasn't what she was raised thinking about. And like, no one wants to think that their child has a problem, which is why Wondermind and everything I do with the news that, et cetera, is all about like empowering people to speak up for themselves and to think about mental health just as you would with your physical health. Like no one's embarrassed to say they have high blood pressure. So why are you embarrassed to say that you have OCD? And why are you embarrassed to take medicine for that? Exactly. And so- the entire time for high school uh, with just depression, OCD, and ADHD, which I didn't know about at the time, uh, it was very hard. 
from 12 to 18. I had a pretty traumatic journey during that point and crying almost every single day and whatever. So yes, it definitely took a toll on me. I didn't realize OCD was so debilitating until I found out I had OCD. I didn't mm-hmm. realize what it was. I thought I was just making myself like I go down what I call the what if. Yes, yes. Like downfalls where it's just endless. And I think, you know, having the courage to advocate for yourself is really hard and taking those steps. What was the moment or was there a moment where you're like, okay, even though my family might not be supportive of this now, but I need to do what's best for me and go get the proper help. When was that? Yeah. So as you know, it's incredibly expensive to get help, especially for something as specific as OCD. You need specialists and these people cost a lot of money. And so my parents made it very clear that they not be okay with me going. And um, at that time, it was probably, it was my junior year. I had just had an entrepreneur project that I worked with eight other people for. Um, I ended up, so I had my other business, like the real business, this project business, and then all of our classes on top of it. And so I basically like just worked 24 seven that semester. And I did all of the work for this project. Um, you know, starting a company with eight different people, obviously is not the way that a normal person starts a company. It's with yourself or one or maybe two other people. It's not eight people. Mm -hmm. So, but I like did my lane of work. I went to every single meeting. I I accomplished everything I had to do. Uh, but when, you know, the group members would go and, you know, get a drink or, you know, hang out all together, I would go work and do my new that stuff. And so that ended up being to my detriment because they all became friends. And for some reason, the grading system was peer-based and someone, one person on the team had to fail. And so they chose me and they basically said, oh, well, she has another business. So, you know, there's no way she could have been as dedicated as we were. There was literally someone on our team that never brought a laptop to any meeting and he got a C plus. Jaw is dropped. And so junior year, that was, yeah. <laughs> so um, 80 plus, that was like 70 or 80% of our grade. And so even though I did totally fine on my, in the classes, I ended up failing that semester. And I basically got a um, letter from the dean saying, you're on academic probation. You essentially have one semester to not only retake all the classes you failed, but also take all of the additional business classes you're supposed to take next semester. And if you don't get this GPA, you will be kicked out one semester before graduation. And at that point, the news that was doing well, but like, you know, I wasn't trying to monetize yet. I, I really wanted to wait until I hit a certain subscriber number and work with the best brands in the world, not like, you know, the smaller brands that mm-hmm. might, you know, give me some income. I wanted to wait. I was really patient about waiting and telling, you know, advertisers, no, like we're not going to monetize until next year, whatever. And so at that point I had zero backup plan. My mother was in hysterics. She didn't even tell my dad because my dad would have freaked out. And here I am completely alone, you know, saying, oh my God, I'm going to fail out of college one semester before I graduate and I'm going to have nothing. I put all of my eggs in the basket of the newsette because I knew I would get like, you know, B's and C's or whatever in my grades. I was not going to be the top recruit for any sort of big company. And I said, you know, I just have to make the newsette work and that will be my, my job. And so at that point, it was the loneliest, most depressing, just lowest point of my life. 
and my OCD became absolutely debilitating. So like constant, you know, thoughts, um, constant rituals, and we call them intrusive thoughts, as you know. Um, and there was one day when I was looking under my, my bed, that was the, like one of the, you know, rituals I had. And I, I just to make the feeling go away. And I was so angry and emotional that I just kept banging my hands on the floor until they started bleeding. And my sister saw that and she and my boyfriend basically talked and they were like, you need to go see a therapist. Like, this is not okay anymore. And I was essentially crying every single day. I would go to the computer to try to even do my homework and just ball and not even be able to focus. And so I was like, there's no way I'm going to get kicked out. Like there, you know, there's no way I'm even going to ever be able to make this work. And so I, with the little affiliate money that I made from the Musette, so we weren't monetizing, like doing brand partnerships, but I was linking out to affiliate, um, you know, sources. So if somebody bought a product I recommended, I would get a percentage and I ended up being able to make uh, quite a bit of money over the last like, three years for that. So I had a little bit of savings and I used that to find a psychiatrist and a therapist. And essentially they got me on medicine, uh, Prozac. And that completely changed and pretty much saved my life because all of a sudden, all of the additional emotions of like every single day crying and just being overly emotional, that all went away. And I was able, I still could feel emotions, but just not in in a way that a more normal person is supposed to feel emotions. Not so drastic. No, not in a debilitating way. And so I essentially was able to, because of that and seeing a therapist, I was able to basically become a machine that entire semester, wake up at 5 a.m., do the, write the whole news ad uh, until 9.30 or 10 a.m., go to class, have like a one-hour break where I'm like, you know, reaching out to people to interview, doing everything. It was just me. I like to say my my first team for the news ad was three people, me, myself, and I. And so I did everything. Then I would go back to class. Then I would go see a tutor that I also paid for via my Nuzet savings to help me with the classes that I had failed. Um, and then just go to sleep. And every single day, it was almost like a being in the military or something. It was my regimen, no feelings, no room for anything, just do it. And somehow with the help of um, you know the tutor and my sister and my boyfriend, And, um, you know, the support of someone named Sally Ward, um, who works in the administrative uh, department of Boston University, basically telling me, you can't give up, you have to do this. And she was just as upset as I was that, you know, the teachers didn't step in and say, hey, let's look at what you actually did instead of making you basically, you know, have to redo everything. And they actually encouraged me that the teachers that failed me encouraged me to stop uh, college and just do my business because they were like, there's no way you're going to be able to do this. And so I proved them wrong. I ended up graduating. Yeah, you did. You know, and, or I, I guess I ended up doing that semester. Then the final semester of BU was all about entrepreneurship. So finally, I was taking the classes that I wanted to take in entrepreneurship. And my professors were so great because they were people that had actually started companies or worked at startups, whatever. And they just genuinely wanted to help the next generation. And so those teachers were so helpful, so kind, so you know, willing to give any knowledge and so proud of like what I was doing instead of seeing it as like a detriment or like, as a, you know, joke. Nate, your superpower. 
Yes. And, uh, and so them with, you know, the help of Sally from the administrative office, I ended up actually getting on the Dean's list. So I went from getting almost kicked out the semester before I graduated to being one of the best students in the business school, uh, the next semester. And so I just, I literally walked that stage and everyone in my family tried because they knew how hard it was for me to get there. And I actually um, had a meeting with the Dean of the business school at BU a few days ago. And she asked if I would ever consider being a commencement speaker. And so that's full circle. Yeah, if that happens, I think my parents would actually just die uh, <laughs> because not only, you know, did I get past this page, but like now I'm there to like talk to people. And so I I just feel really strongly that I want to tell, you know, the next graduating class, look, do not count yourself out if you have a mental illness, if you have a learning disability, if you didn't get the grades you wanted in college, because you can still kick ass. Um, and being able to stand there and say, you know, that Forbes just named me the youngest, wealthiest, self-made uh, woman of color in America. You know, I literally almost failed out of this school. Like, if I can do it with everything going against me and the odds and lack of connections and everything, lack of resources and funding, if I can do it, anyone else can do it. I promise. It's so amazing just hearing about your evolution and. You know, it's just so true. When people have the odds against you, if you believe in yourself, that's all you can do. All you can do is do your best. That's really inspiring because I'm currently in college and I I sometimes feel lost. And I don't, I don't know if you ever felt this, but I feel like school sometimes wants to put me in a box. Like choose mm-hmm. one thing, get good at it, and then do that. Yes. But it's like, but there are so many things that I want to do, you know? Yes. I love that you just carved your own path. And I that's that's exactly what I want to do not only do you do that, but you also found a way to monetize Musette and made it so successful. And I was just curious, what do you love and what advice do you have for creating businesses? Yeah. So um, the reason why the Musette became successful is truly, I just refused for it not to be. And it was like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. I just slammed that square peg into the round hole so many times it became round and fit through. And so it was a lot of pivoting. So the news that is now worth $200 million. Um, and my only other partner in the company is my mother, who's, uh, you know, Colombian, and she always believed in me. And I was able to make her a millionaire and write her, you know, a multi-million dollar check last year, uh, just for distributions. And so that is the best gift I could have ever given her and like helping the people that believe in you and no one else did. Um, and so I guess I, with the news ad, if I would have just stopped with the newsletter, it would not have been worth $200 million today. Like, you know, what we are actively growing the media side and really excited about it. But what really propelled us to success is thinking, okay, what are our superpowers at the news ad in the newsletter? It's the ability to tell stories and engage Gen Z and millennials, et cetera, which is actually really hard for people to do. And also, you know, this empowerment angle of constantly for the news that specifically empowering women, but also um, featuring these incredible diverse women from every background. So we essentially took that ethos of empowering people 
of amplifying diverse voices, of storytelling better than anyone else, and turned it into an agency model. So that's the other part of the business called New Land, uh, which we actually kept a secret for the last three years because we had so much demand from this one huge client that essentially they kept, you know, saying to other groups, you know, you need to use this agency or someone would see one of our ads or something and be like, who did that? And then they would recommend us that we literally grew 16,500% in three years. And the only reason why I know that number is because we were recently named um, number 16 out of Inc.'s 5,000 most successful companies in America. And we literally went from 1 million in revenue to 7 million in revenue to 40 million in revenue with 15 people last year. And now, you know, we've like quadrupled the team and we're working with other incredible brands, but essentially Newland is the agency where we use our superpowers of, you know, amplifying diverse voices, storytelling, engaging Gen Z and millennials, et cetera, and then take over, you know, the TikToks or the Instagram accounts or, you know, social media campaigns of the biggest brands in the world and essentially make them almost like mini content destinations instead of a billboard. And then we also do massive talent campaigns for, you know, huge worldwide campaigns in 11 different countries. Uh, You know, we've done uh, a TikTok campaign that got over 11 billion views where we had Snoop Dogg create an original song. We wrote the song, we had him record it. It became a huge TikTok viral hit, all storytelling. And so that has really propelled our company into such a big, you know, a totally different universe that I ever thought I would be in. Uh, because I wasn't afraid to pivot a little bit and say, you know, what are we good at? How can we do something else with those talents as well? I think a lot of the time when creating something, you're so focused on like one small detail, but it's kind of zooming out and looking at the larger picture and having those different avenues of revenue and just having the baseline be being a storyteller is really awesome. Yeah. We have to take one more quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk to you about your new company with Selena Gomez and Mandy Tifi, Wondermind, which is making such an impact in the world around mental health. We'll be right back. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. 
As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. 
now you're on the next journey as well with Wondermind, which I am so excited to talk to you about. First, I want to ask you what mental fitness means to you. Yeah. So essentially, you know, um, I am the co-founder and co-CEO of Wondermind and the mission of Wondermind is to, um, destigmatize and democratize mental health and introduce this concept that we call mental fitness. And so my co-founders, Selena Gomez and Mandy Tifi and I, we basically realized that the stigma and the lack of, you know, resources for people who didn't have, you know, don't have a thousand dollars an hour for a session with the best psychiatrist is really the reason why, you know, there's so much stigma and there's, there's such a barrier to entry in the mental health space. And so we thought, what if we call it mental fitness? So working on your mental health in little ways every day, whatever that looks like for you, because that's a way lower barrier to entry for somebody that might be like, well, I don't want to, you know, work on my mental health. Like that implies something's wrong with me. And we're also not just for people with diagnosed mental illnesses, like myself and yourself, we're for anybody with feelings. And so every single thing that we do from content to the products that we're releasing, everything is merchandised by feelings. So I feel anxious. I feel lonely. I feel scared. I feel sad. And then we have the best psychiatrists, therapists, social workers in the world from these diverse backgrounds, essentially looking at all of our content, making sure that we're being very responsible and anything that's ever a recommendation or a tip or somebody, you know, explaining what catastrophizing actually means or what is the definition of OCD? And you're probably using it wrong when you say, you know, I'm so OCD, I love to have all of my pens in order, whatever it is. That's all coming from these licensed therapists and social workers and experts. Uh, So we're not, you know, armchair therapists at all, but we're essentially creating content every single day in the media side of Wondermind that is editorializing mental fitness and making it fun for you to participate every single day. And then also making it like this beautiful, sexy, uh, alluring experience that if you are on, you know, a piece of our content, people aren't like, oh, is that, you know, WebMD or psychology today? It really looks fun and exciting and engaging. And also talking to the biggest names in the world, like Selena Gomez, like Serena Williams, um, who's one of our lead investors, um, you know, Camila Cabello, et cetera. That also is, you know, going to help hopefully destigmatize mental health and mental fitness and make it so that everybody feels just like for physical fitness, you work out or you, you know, eat healthy or whatever you do. How to work out the mind. Yeah, that you should also work out your mind. The first drop was the three times a week newsletter. Uh, we have two huge launches coming up in the next two months uh, that is going to expand that even more. Uh, the production side, so creating stories with the biggest you know, streamers and producers in the world uh, to actually change culture and zeitgeist around you know, mental health and mental fitness. And then finally, being the first company to ever work with the best experts in the world in psychiatry to create physical, tangible, non-clinical mental fitness tools that are priced for the masses. So everything, again, is made for uh, everyone to be able to access. So the content will never be paywalled. We have incredible brand partners that we work with that help us, you know, create this content and, and have it for free for anybody who wants to access it, no matter what your background is. So amazing. Yes. And the products um, are also going to be an, an affordable price point as well, because we believe that everybody should be able to practice mental fitness. 
So what products are we talking about? <laughs> uh, I can't really say a lot about the products, but all I can say is, you know, every time that we say we're introducing mental fitness products, people are like, what does that mean? And that is so exciting to us because truly like people don't even know what that could encompass, but it's essentially taking, um, you know, behavioral therapies, et cetera, and, uh, and developing products that are non-clinical, they are not harmful in any way, et cetera. You know, a, an example I could give you is a stress ball. That is technically a mental fitness product, but we're going way deeper and actually, you know, building a, a beautiful brand for men and women uh, to have these tools uh, at their, you know, disposal. And I feel like I'm so glad that you mentioned the toolkit thing, because every time I go to therapy, I've been to therapy since I was seven. I've done exposure therapy for years. That's awesome. We always talk about putting yourself out there and finding products and find, finding things that are good for you and that make you feel good. Yes. When you're down, what makes you feel good? What do you do to help yourself? Well, first of all, uh, it's so amazing that you've been seeing a therapist since you were seven years old, I'm definitely very jealous of that. And that is one of the reasons why I, you know, have dedicated myself to another company because I truly want, I don't want anyone to ever feel the way I felt where you are completely alone and you have to basically figure out your mental health just by, you know, scratching everything together and having no support. So that's amazing. Um, I think people think, you know, when they see the Forbes headline that, you know, I'm worth $220 million, whatever, you know, that I don't have bad days and that I've just made it, but I truly have bad days almost every day. I feel like I get it as an entrepreneur, as you know, you get punched in the face like 15 times a day, 50 times a day. Um, you know, I have a lot of, uh, personal stuff that I deal with as well. And so I definitely do have those low moments. And they usually come, you know, after my sprint of a work day or sometimes during. And the one thing that I do is I really like to meditate. I don't do it on a daily basis. I'm definitely not a good meditating person. I try to. It's yeah. okay. We're doing our best. The only thing that I um, am able to do is a sleep meditation. Uh, but what it, do I do on YouTube? Yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's from some app, but like, that's the only voice that doesn't make me just want to like smash my phone. Um, <laughs> and it's basically like, um, engaging every part of your body. So like relax your toes, relax your legs, relax your jaw. And like, for me, it's like my jaw was clenched and I didn't even realize. Yeah. I basically, um, what do I do? I like, I, my teeth, I like, uh, brush my teeth against each other while I sleep. Like I like grind them together. It's horrible. My jaw's always tight. And so it basically gives you a second to just like be in your body. And that makes me feel a lot more grounded or I'll call my mother or my like twin sister, or I'll go to my dogs. I have two beautiful poodles that I'll just go hug and be like, I'm doing this all for you. Um, and just be, you know, so happy with that. So th those are the things that really, it it's like feelings and touching and, you know, reminding myself why I'm doing all of this, that really helps me, you know, get out of those states. But like, you know, it's not that easy. Sometimes it, it lasts a bit longer. I know. Sometimes I kind of just have to let it be and feel it. And that sucks. But you just kind of have to go through the motions of it sometimes, which is never fun. But I feel like it just makes you appreciate the good moments more. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, what you're describing is, um, is called, uh, 
what an exposure. So like sitting in the discomfort and, uh, you know, that definitely is a really good coping mechanism because it helps you become stronger. But sometimes, you know, I don't feel strong enough to do that. And that's the reality. Oh, same here. Yeah. And those moments I lay in my bed and I curl into a ball and I have some fairy lights <laughs> and I listen to some good music. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to take a second. Um, you know, I don't have the luxury during the workday to really just kind of uh, step away from everything. And so I just kind of, you know, again, I do everything like a sprint. So I just go through all my calls and kind of not think about it. And that's why like at night, that's when it really hits me. Um, but I just, I like to think about the things in my life that are going well and the people that I'm hopefully, hopefully helping with, you know, stuff like the Newsette and, and, uh, Wondermind. Um, and, and that really just puts everything into perspective. So how did Wondermind come to be? I know you met Selena and Mandy on a Zoom call for the new Z. Yes. At what point were you like, hey, we should start a company together? Yeah. So uh, Selena, Mandy and I um, were on a Zoom. I asked, you know, my editorial team if I could do the interview. They had no idea why I would want to do the interview because, you know, I had written the news at every single day for, I think, four or five years. And then I handed it over to the editorial team. They're much more talented than I am. Um, and so they were like, is she like, you know, having a midlife crisis where she like wants to write the newsletter again. But the reason was because it was a mental health interview and no one on my team or in my life knew I had any connection to mental health uh, because I had never talked about it. It was so embarrassing to me. I truly would have rather like died than been vocal about my OCD at, at that point, which it, I know sounds very extreme, but that's truly how I felt. I felt like telling anybody I had OCD was almost like the most embarrassing thing I could ever say, because not only am I like this Latina woman, 20 something trying to be taken seriously in the business world, I didn't want to add OCD on top of that, which is not the right mindset that I should have had, but that's how I thought. And so after listening to Selena and Mandy, who are both incredibly, um, you know, successful in their own right, and they just so happen to be mother daughter, saying things to each other, some of the stuff for the first time about their mental health and their journeys really inspired me at the end of the interview to tell them they were like the fourth and fifth people I'd ever told that I'd been struggling with OCD and depression, etc. since I was a child. And that, you know, I that was the first time I was ever saying it. And I was saying it to, you know, the most fam famous person in the world and this incredibly, you know, decorated producer. And so at that point we stayed in touch and Mandy and I were basically like, how can we change the world and really do something that helps people like get, that gets to the root of everything, not just, you know, their incredible companies offering therapy, et cetera. But like, what about the people who won't even take that step to get a therapist or what if it, what about the people who already have a therapist you know having a therapist is almost like having a personal trainer you see them once a week for you know an hour if you're lucky you need more resources yeah so and if you just lean on that you're not going to get a six-pack or you know achieve your fitness goals you have to do the work every other day in between sessions and that's really what we want to create and so uh, Mandy and I had so many discussions about it. Selena had always wanted to do something to change the world with mental health because it was such a big part of her life. And so uh, Mandy and I came together and we, you know, were like, this is what we want to do. And Selena wanted to be involved. And it really just went from there. That is so amazing. And thank you for 
creating a company and this startup and this and telling stories because they need to be told and breaking the stigma is so important. And I just want to thank you again for just taking the time out of your day to chat with me about this because I as I wish more people were as open as you are because it's so refreshing. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, I, I almost feel bad that it took me this long to be open and it took me to feel like I had already achieved some level of success to then be like, okay, but this is really what's under the hood. I don't want anyone to ever feel like they have to, you know, hit a certain level and then be open. That's exactly why, you know, I, I am in love with our mission for Wondermind and want to help so many people. And so thank you so much for giving me, you know, the platform to share what we're doing at the News Zet and New Landy Agency and Wondermind, uh, because, you know, you are someone that I really look up to and, and love to hear stories from. And the fact that I'm going to be on your show is, is really a pinch me moment. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. And I, I'm very excited for the future. So make sure you check out the news at Wondermind, everything. It's some awesome impact-driven stuff, which is what we need in the world. And thank you for creating something that shares the stories of the most incredible people in the world and then me. You know, like, thank you for having me. And, and I'm so impressed. I didn't know you were in college. Like, the fact that you're doing... 20. Oh my gosh. Wow. You just, <laughs> you're, you're even more successful than I ever dreamed of being at 20. So uh, just congratulations on your success. And thank you again for having me. It was such a pleasure. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts oh hi i'm rachel zoe and my podcast climbing in heels is back and better than ever You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.